0: This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to this episode of The Vine Guy. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. And in this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Steve Dutton. Now, Steve is a fifth generation Sonoma County farmer and lifelong resident of Sebastopol, California. He has partners with Dan Goldfield in Dutton Goldfield Winery and is also partners with his brother Joe in Dutton Ranch and Dutton Brothers Farming, in which they farm over 1,200 acres of certified sustainable wine grapes and 200 acres of certified organic apples. Well, how about them apples? All within the Russian River Valley Appellation. In 2017, the Dutton Brothers received the Sustainable Farmer Award from the Sonoma County Harvest Fair. And in 2019, Steve received the Spirit of Sonoma Award for his work at the Farm Bureau. There has never been a single moment in Steve's life when he was not 100% sure that he would always be involved in farming and agriculture. He's actively involved in the agricultural community, contributing to many local associations and boards. He is past president and past board member of the Russian River Valley Wine Growers, a past president and past board member of the Sonoma County Harvest Fair a past board member of the Sonoma County Farm Trails, a director and past president of the Sonoma County Farm Bureau, president and a director of the Russian River Wine Growers Foundation and director of the Exchange Bank in Santa Rosa. He's also a member of the Santa Rosa Junior College Viticultural Advisory Committee. Steve is definitely a busy dude. Steve resides in Western Santa Rosa with his lovely fiance, Carissa Cruz. He is also lucky enough to have his children, Jake and Jordan, following in his footsteps as the sixth generation of Duttons to farm in Sonoma County. Both work full-time at Dutton Ranch for him and his brother, Joe, and Steve could not be more proud. Steve, welcome to the podcast. It is great to see you.
1: Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you having me on. This is great.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule, and this has just been a remarkable year. We're going to talk a little bit about 2020 in a moment, but what I really want to start off with is, you know, you don't meet a lot of fifth generation Californians uh, and you certainly don't meet a lot of fifth generation California farmers. Your history of farming and next generation that's entering the business is pretty remarkable. Can you kind of just walk us
1: through it? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, happy to. So, right. So the, so the Duttons um, originally uh, came from Ohio in uh, the mid 1800s to california right so and, and they were coming for gold but you know uh, i farm now so obviously we didn't find any gold so they ended up uh landing out in tamales which is in marin county small town out by the coast yeah and uh, there was two dutons uh, two brothers lived out there one was the postmaster for tamales the other was um was the blacksmith and so they did were very successful ended up owning a lot of the a lot of the town of tamales and then gave, um, you know, one of the brothers, uh, Warren was his name. So the original Warren Dutton gave the property where the Presbyterian church is in Tamales and the cemetery there to the, to the church. And that, that's actually where the, he's buried my, and, and now my father Warren is also buried there uh, who would have been the fourth generation of Duttons. So he's buried out there. And so the first generation Warren, he, he was successful. He ended up moving into Santa Rosa. He bought 200 acres in Santa Rosa and he was on a business trip to New York and figured out that prunes, right, which is a plum that's dried, would keep well and travel all the way across the United States and make it to market and the East Coast. So he came back to, to Sonoma County and contracted with a local horticulturist, a guy by the name of Luther Burbank. And uh, so Warren uh, Dutton, the first Warren Dutton and him, uh, they created 20,000 prune trees, which Warren planted on his 200 acres in Sonoma County it was the first to plant prunes in Sonoma County and prunes ended up being a huge business, huge, huge business, huge market in Sonoma County for many, many years. And so that would have been in the late 1800s all the way, you know, we, in fact, when I was a kid, we farmed prunes still. So up until about 1980, we had, we farmed prunes and actually had a dehydrator on our ranch. So Warren's brother Reed, which would have been my great, great grandfather worked with him. So then my grandfather worked uh, on the ranch as well. And he became a banker and worked at the exchange bank was was always a gentleman farmer had prune ranches had grew hops was a hop broker uh and my dad uh he grew up on the ranch farming helping with his father grew hops as well helped with the hop hop harvest grew prunes my dad went to santa rosa high school because santa rosa high school there was two high schools in santa rosa at the time montgomery and santa rosa santa rosa had an ag program and my dad was interested in agriculture so he went to santa rosa high and that's where he met my mom oh they were high school sweethearts. Yeah. And they, so they dated and all through high school, they graduated in 1962, uh, got married in 63. And then they bought our, our original home ranch out in Grayton. So it'd be West of Santa Rosa, about, you know, 10 or 12 miles West of Santa Rosa in 1964. And that ranch consisted of 35 acres of land, 15 of it planted to French columbard grapes and 15 planted to, um, to apples. So that's how my dad far, started farming apples and grapes. was on Was on the ranch that they bought it, uh, bought out in Great. But that, so that, he, but I'm sorry to interrupt. But you just said that that was fifteen acres. Fifteen acres. Yeah. So you bought thirty five acres total, right? right? Five acres had the shop and the barn on it, yep. and then shop and, and the house. Yeah. And then the other thirty acres was fifteen in grapes and fifteen in apples.
0: But yep. we're going to get to how it expanded to twelve hundred so, acres, right?
1: Well, yeah, but no, for sure, no. we we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to that. Yeah, yeah. So my dad started farming and, and he was, he was, so he owned his own property there and was farming. And then, so he started contracting with other, with other landowners to farm their apples. And um, this was through the sixties. So he grew a lot of apples in the sixties and into the seventies and then, but still farmed prunes in Santa Rosa area and Fulton area, which is just North of Santa Rosa towards Hillsburg. And so he, he was growing his business, got it up to several hundred acres or so my brother and I, right. Well, I came along in 67, my brother came along in 69. We were we were grew up on the ranch with with working with our dad. I mean, I'd be right from the instant I could knew what a tractor was, you can imagine I was out on the tractor and wanted to be riding with him. When the instant I could drive a tractor, I was driving the tractor. Uh, and so my brother was the same way. We grew up just on the ranch helping him and farming, and with, for us it wasn't really work; it was playing. We were out we were having a we were, it was the greatest thing ever playing it with him. So over time, he he grew the business up to about you know, five or six hundred acres. I went, I tried to go to college for a little bit. I went to UC Davis for a couple of years and didn't love school. Just came back and started farming in 87 full-time. My brother graduated from high school in 87 and we both started farming full-time. And it wasn't long before my dad realized, he says, Hey, we're, I'm, I don't just have one family to feed. I'm going to end up, I'm going to have three families to feed out of this, right? Myself and my two kids, my two boys. So we really started expanding the business back then. And, and, and he had the two of the most dedicated employees that work the cheapest for him, right? If he fed us and, and, <laughs> and, and, and paid us a little bit, we, we worked our butts off for him. So, uh, so that's what we did. And, and he often told other people he would, he would, they were, when he was asked, right, when he was still alive, he'd be asked, he's like, I got, how Warren, how did you get your two boys to work so hard for you and do so much for you? And he says, says, I don't, he says, I don't know. He says, they, they just love farming. And he says, if I would have known my kids would have been, would have been so into this, I would have had more kids.
0: <laughs> or, you know some people th- think tractor pull is is you know something you see at a rodeo but that really was the pull of the tractor that brought you and your oh, brother back to oh the yeah party. no
1: no it was it was god we they we loved the equipment and loved loved doing stuff and so i mean you know i don't know as you can imagine right so we had we had trucks on the ranch and so when when i was in my teens we i i if i could drive the truck around anywhere i'd do that so not not just a pickup truck but a like a truck that hauled the fruit right, right? so So a big truck. And then, then when I was, uh, I don't know, I was probably 14 or 15. I, so right. I, we bought a semi truck. And so I thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so I would be in that truck whenever I could. And so when I was 16, I started driving, I I, though, actually, excuse me, actually when I was 15, you're going to love this. So my dad hired in California, when you were 15, if you had your learner's permit to drive and someone that was 18 rode with you, you were legal. So my dad hired an 18 year old girl for minimum wage at the time, which was $3 and 35 cents, I think an hour to ride with me. And I hauled all the fruit for the whole summer between my sophomore and junior year. I hauled all the, all the apples, all the grapes, all summer long. So as that was a my job as a 15 year old, but I could, I mean, right. But I grew up driving the truck. So I could drive the truck as well as a 30 year old. I would, it was, I was into it. I knew what I was doing. So Anyway, and I rode with my dad forever, so I knew exactly what was going on. So then, over time, right? So we just kept growing the business, put taking on more acreage. And in the eighties, the apples took a big downturn. Uh, they became a worldwide commodity, and so we then started uh, we started really actively taking out apple orchards and putting in grapes because that was, you know, it would be it's the death of the of any farmer that stays committed to one crop, even if it's losing money, right? So we we had to right. had to uh, diversify more than we had been. And so we took out apple acreage that was losing money and put in grapes and then and then far more and more grapes and and so that's how we started farming grapes and just have kept building the business all the way up to where joe and i have we have 1200 acres of grapes now so uh and 200 acres of apples so we we own about 800 acres of that in sonoma county and then we lease another 300 and act and manage for you know an absentee owner uh the other 300.
0: wow so, so- one of the things I've noted though in your bio, you're very committed to sustainable farming practices yes. and you're paying attention to climate adaptation. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about your passion for sustainable farming?
1: Right, the Duttons, I believe. My father, he was a sustainable farming farmer before the sustainable was actually a word, right? It was before before you used it in connection with farming. You know, it would always be about about, and, we, and my brother and I do this to this day, right? It's, it's about finding a piece of land or working with a piece of land. And our goal is to leave it better than we found it. We go in and we, we I don't know if we if it's raw land, we clean it up, we plant the vineyard, we make sure we fertilize the vineyard. We, we put more into it than we're gonna take out. And it's the same with the apple orchards where every year my brother and I, and, and this has been going on for 20 years. So my father and my brother and I, and my brother and I now, we buy 2000 yards of compost every year and apply that back to our our vineyards uh, or orchards. Uh, we're big on on fertilizer. We're big on seeding. We try to do whatever we can uh, to to enhance this, to enhance the ground, enhance the environment. We've been we've been practicing what's called integrated pest management for. 35 years on the ranch. So we, we look at, uh, we've had entomologists employed now full-time, we've had entomologists on the ranch for years, have one in full employed full-time. She, her job is to go out and look at every vineyard, look at bugs, look at mildew pressure, look at disease pressure. And then we apply pesticides or any kind of, of, you know, control measure based off of what she's seeing. So we don't just do things for the fun of it, or for the heck of it, because that's what we did last year. Every year's a new year. You know, we're looking constantly at what the pressure is and applying for that. So, so we were, we were super. We 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 were also right. So not only are we surrounded by sustainable, certified sustainable farmers, but we're also fish friendly farmers because that's another big deal too, right? We have we have streams that are ranches. the The runoff runs into Coho salmon streams, which Coho salmon's an endangered species. So we're constantly looking at, you know, how do we prevent erosion or sediment from getting in the creeks? We own lots of creek sides, lots of streams that, that are that are in our fields. We own own those, or lots of on our property. So we were really excited. when actually, when Snohomish County Wine Growers started their, you know, sustainability effort, and we, I mean, we were we joined right into that immediately. So as soon as we could. But so just a, a quick
0: deal. point of clarification, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that when we talk about organic farming or sustainable farming. And we're, we're talking about the use of pesticides or fertilizers. We're talking about, you know, stuff that's like very, you know, not super harmful, not, you know, impactful on the environment. Right. Yes. It's, when we mention the word pesticide people, you know, the hair on the back of their neck stands up a little bit. So I understand that. Right. You want to so, make sure that, you know, we're talking about things that are very gentle in the environment and, and yeah. maybe even a little bit more natural than mo- most people would think about.
1: Thank you for clarifying that for, for me, because we do absolutely we use as soft of the materials we, as we possibly can. Right. But it's also right when we're looking at sustainability, it's about okay, what what material or what 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 are we going to use to control our the disease pressure that we need? And it's going to give us, you know, the the longest period of time pest free. Or it's going to do the best job for the money, or for the environment, or we look at all of those things combined before we make a decision about what to use. And that's also why we hire entomologists, right? So there's also an economic threshold. So if you go out and you see, let's say there's a there's a bug that attacks refines called a leafhopper. If you see you know one leafhopper per vine, well that's not a, that's not going to cause you any damage. If you see fifty, now you have a different issue, right? right? so that then that's when we then determine okay we need to control this in some way nature is not controlling this itself so we have an issue so that's how we look at everything we 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 are we're constantly monitoring these things before we make any decision about what we put out in the field or in the environment
0: well thank you for clarifying that i i really appreciate it no problem. I, I, I want to go back a little bit to your bio <laughs> i was introducing you and and all of these amazing Activities that you're involved in, you know, again, past president, past board member of Russian River Valley Wine Growers, past president, past board member of the Sonoma County Harvest Fair and Sonoma County Farm Trails. You've been involved with the Sonoma County Farm Bureau, Russian River Wine Growers Foundation. I could go on and on and on. What is so special about Sonoma County and Russian River Valley?
1: Right. It's the only place I've ever lived. So to me, it's there's nothing better than than Sonoma County. Uh, it's a great, great place to live, great environment, great area, great people there. Uh, and the best part is that it grows great wine grapes. So we are we're very fortunate that we that we found a spot that rivals, um, you know, for us for our Russian River, uh, you know, Western Sonoma County, rivals Burgundy. We grow we grow some of the best Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in the world out there.
0: Now, a lot of people would think. Uh, Steve, that that's hyperbole, but I'm going to take an opportunity because you haven't really mentioned about how famous you really are. (laughs) So (laughs) allow me to do it for you. Uh, you, Dutton Ranch is probably the most prestigious Chardonnay vineyard, definitely in California, and probably rivals some of the greatest vineyards in the world, Steve. Uh, Again, not hyperbole, and I could tell you, having enjoyed many a glass of wines that included Dutton Ranch fruit, it is remarkable that you're being so, well, actually knowing you as I do, it's not remarkable at all to know that you're modest and, and humble. But can you tell us a little bit about the Dutton Ranch grapes and where they're
1: going these days? Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. Absolutely. So I, I am fortunate that I'm a son of a... Of a pioneer, or, or a kind of a, like more like a cowboy, right? My dad was always a cowboy. He was always living on the edge and pushing as far as he could. So right when he bought the original ranch in in uh, in 1964 with 35 acres on it, had French Columbard grapes on it, um, and we grew French Columbard into the oh, the 90s, oh maybe even maybe even 2000 grew French Columbard on the ranch. So. But in 1967, he bought the adjoining. My mom and him. Sorry, my mom and him. I got to give. She was right there with them all the whole time, right? So, so Gail, Gail, my mom, Gail, my dad, Warren. They bought the 20 acres next door to their 35 acres, right? Expanded the ranch to 55 acres. And on that 20 acres, he planted. He he went and talked to uh, uh, Rod Strong and to uh, Jim Youngs, Robert Young. Sorry, thank you, Jim Young. Jim Young's father, Robert Young, and he and. Both of them said, "Hey, you should plant Chardonnay. Try Chardonnay. It'll ripen sooner than Colombard, uh, and it, it's gonna it'll be good out there." So he planted Chardonnay. And back then, Scott, you know, you, when you went to the nursery and said, "Hey, I want Chardonnay," they gave you Chardonnay on, and you described you told them what rootstock you wanted because everyone knew about rootstock. But there was no such thing as "I want Winty clone" or "I want clone this or clone that." You just bought Chardonnay, right? And that's what you got. And so it turned out it was Winty clone Chardonnay, which he planted on the ranch. Started growing uh, in '67, and so for many years, sold that to different wineries. Lot, a lot of them went to Corbell uh, for Champagne, and then he, um, and then in 1979, a winemaker, young winemaker by the name of Steve Kistler, showed sure. up at the ranch, and he started buying grapes from my dad. And so, so Steve Kistler bought grapes there, and he he put Dutton Ranch on the label. He wasn't the first to do it, though. The, the first to do it was was a winery. Over in Napa, named Burgess Cellars. Then in 1976, they put Dutton Ranch on the label. They were the first to do it. Steve was uh, Steve was second, and then Martin Ray was third. The original Martin Ray right was was third, um, and so they. Uh, but Steve Steve is the one who's he's still buying grapes from us today. So we've had a, a relationship with him for 40 plus years, yeah. and he is uh, he's a great winemaker, and so buys buys from the same field. And today, so today there's now over time, there's we've grown from you know a couple wineries putting our name on it to to close to twenty wineries that put Dutton Ranch on the label, and so when you put Dutton Ranch on the label, that could actually come from any of our vineyards, right? Dutton Ranch as as a whole is the twelve hundred acres, right? And then some wineries will then focus down onto one vineyard, so they'll put Dutton Ranch, Freestone Hill. Or they'll put one, you know, they'll put a put something. They'll actually name the vineyard after Dutton Ranch. So we Very have cool. that, and then we sell. We but we sell to seventy different wineries. So we have we have lots and lots of grapes. You know, we grow now four to five thousand tons of grapes on any given year, and so that goes to about seventy different wineries. You do business with.
0: So back to Steve Kistler for a moment. Interesting little side note about Stephen. it might be your dad's fault. It sounds like it is actually, mm-hmm. is that uh, Kissler became obsessed with a Wente clone to the point yeah. where he actually started cross
1: breeding. What do you call it? <laughs> cross. He, he started selecting. He, he was crossed, se- right. He started. He started selecting. selecting vines that had, that had the characteristics that he want. Right. Cause was right. Cause, right the, the vines propagate off each other. Right. They're kind of like, you know, so, so, so he would he would find vines and then use that wood to then push into another vineyard and make the whole vineyard like those certain vines.
0: Right, but it was all off the Winty clone. Winty, absolutely Winty clone. And he, yep. I think, was the first, if I'm not mistaken, the the first uh, vintner to be to, to say we're we're only going to do Winty clones for our Chardonnays, no matter what vineyard it comes from. We're going to yep. be dedicated to that variety.
1: Yep. So that's so that's what he he the Kistler brand. Is is very dedicated to that so they use Winty clone, which we now we right we go back and we get the when we do a new vineyard for them which we still are planting vineyards. I just met with the winemaker at Kistler on last Thursday, and so we're looking at new ground to put new vineyards on that he thinks could be could be good. So the wood will come from them, and we so they're kind of their formula now is to put Winty clone this Winty clone on 428 rootstock, and then but it's on different sites right. So then the site and the Tarar show through right so that's the difference everything else is relative it's the it becomes the, the difference becomes the site at that point
0: point. and and let's go back and talk about the differences because sonoma county is huge people i don't think really realize how big sonoma county is i mean it takes hours to get from one end to the other yeah. and they're all very different right sonoma coast very different grapes or yep. I should say, Sonoma Coast, you get very different wines from Sonoma Coast than you do, say, from Russian River Valley. Right. Right. right?
1: So, yes, absolutely. So, Scott, so Sonoma County is a million acres. And luckily, I am sitting next to an expert in Sonoma County, my fiance, Carissa. Well, Car- that's where I was going with this, Steve. So, <laughs> so I, think, I think that she should give a little background to Sonoma County because you're right. You know, Sonoma County, you can grow everything in Sonoma County and have great wine, a great experience in Sonoma County with whatever kind of wine you like. But here's Carissa and I'm gonna let her tell you about it. Hi Carissa.
2: Hi Scott, nice to, nice to hear you and, and see you. So yeah, I mean, Steve's been talking a lot about Sonoma County and I think it, it truly is a blessed place. And as you mentioned, a big county, you said it, a million acres, so we always we joke. So out in where you normally hang out on the East Coast, right, we're larger than the state of Rhode Island, which I think sort of wow. blows people's minds with yeah. about sort of size of places. But within Sonoma County, among those million acres, what's what makes the, the grape growing s- super special is that we only have 6% planted a grape. So we've really found these choice spots of 60,000 acres out of the million to put those grape vines. And you know, we, we ended up um, to date, as of right now, we have about 18 different American viticultural areas, which I'm sure, you're, sure your fans know, but right to be an AVA you know, the it's sort of a hypothetical boundary, right? It's not, it's not a, a formal geographic boundary, but it's a boundary defined by climate or um, soil type or elevation or some historical reference. And we are fortunate enough to have 18 different sort of defined, unique growing regions within our Sonoma County area. So that's, you know, when you talk about Sonoma Coast versus Russian River, or even Green Valley Valley with Valley within the Russian River those are unique growing regions that do deliver something different in the bottle, which is really fun. And we, um, you know, our our number one grape planted is Chardonnay. We grow Chardonnay in all different 18 18 regions. And so we always love when someone comes to to Sonoma County, someone like yourself or, you know, a wine buyer, someone out there, it's like pouring a Chardonnay from all those different regions. And you can actually really taste the, the nuances of the climate and soil interaction in the glass. And I think, you know, it's always a surprise to folks especially folks that say oh chardonnay chardonnay or pinot's pinot it's like no 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 no, that's not true at all and um we also steve mentioned our soil types but we actually have more soils than and then all of france just in our one region which is why you have a mini burgundy in the russian river and a mini bordeaux up in our alexander valley region and we can grow amazing Rhone varietals like Roussan and grenache and Viognier, albeit a little smaller um, but we end up growing i mean i think the fun part of Sonoma County is with so much diversity. So we have, you know, a number, over 66 different grape varieties that are grown for different um, commercial wines that folks out in the in the world can experience. And so, I mean, we we love it. We are more coastline than any other wine region in California. And it's that influence of the ocean and fog that sort of, especially in Green Valley and Russian River Valley that gets such an influence on the grapes. So I know I could keep going and going cause you know, I love it, but I'm also drinking Kistler, Dunran Chardonnay right now, so what's not to love, right? So I get to talk about Sonoma County, drink Kistler Chardonnay. It's a great afternoon.
0: So Steve, when you said that you had an expert uh, right at your shoulder, you didn't say... She was an enthusiastic expert.
1: <laughs> I, did, I did not, but that, I, I think that was in my life. That's a given. She's a <laughs> about everything, Scott.
0: So I think it's also important to note Carissa Cruz, the executive director of the Sonoma County Wine Growers. So when we talk about an expert, I don't think we can have a better expert at your side, Steve. You,
1: you cannot. We can. I cannot. I am lucky.
2: And I'm going to interrupt and just to share one story between the two of you. So Scott, I actually had the privilege of bringing the marriage of Scott and Steve Dutton together um, at our, it was a wine launch out in DC, yes. I think it was back in 2017. And yes. I we remember walking in, it was my first time meeting you, had obviously read, read your stuff for years and followed you, um, but but walked in and you said, you know what, I really love uh, the, the Dutton Ranch wines from Dutton Ranch. And I was like, oh, Scott, have I got, wow, thank you for saying that because holy cow, have I got an experience for you. I'm going to introduce you to Steve Dutton, who's coming in right behind me. And the irony of all of this is we hadn't started dating yet. So you were you were in the mix of pre-Steve Carissa. So there you go. I know. Maybe And may, You might have been able to sit back and be like, hey, there's some flirtation going on, which was probably happening. We'll confess now. You said, hey, I want to meet Steve. And I was like, great. So we actually, you guys sat next to each other over lunch, which was sort of a fun to see both of you be excited about the introduction and the chance to have lunch together and sort of, as we say, break bread and share wine. And now I'm going to totally call you out because your early story for us
0: oh no! That,
2: I know, I know. So here we go, but I have to do it because I think your fans should know this, that, you know, the reality of, uh, you know, how seriously you take your work, that you and your wife- Very seriously. Um, so you we are talking about, right, the Capitals were in uh, the Stanley Cup, playoffs that week and we had seen the crowds outside our hotel we were experiencing the excitement in dc that week for the stanley cup playoffs and uh you had mentioned uh that your wife had actually purchased and decided to wear to the stanley cup playoffs a wine bra <laughs> that put Kistler Dutman Chardonnay in the wine bra. And I'm not sure what vintage now that escapes me and not that it matters because <laughs> basically you're you're entering a playoff game with the Capitals with your wife wearing a, a, a wine bra with, with I mean, frankly, Kistler Chardonnay. I mean, that's amazing. like That's like <laughs> the best wine ever consumed at a Stanley Cup yes. playoff, probably in history. Um, but that was so fun. And I was sharing offline that um, since then, my friends and I have enjoyed looking up the wine bra and thinking about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> How cool it would be to have wine bras that you know, I should we could probably clarify we
0: really weren't out to drink contraband wine in the <laughs> hockey arena. Sure My wife was just looking for a um an enhancement that would fill out her jersey.
2: Who doesn't want to look good in a
1: jersey? exactly right. You
2: really get your best. But I, that was so cool because I think, you know, sometimes, frankly, in wine, sometimes we take wine maybe too seriously. And at the end of the day, you got to find something you love and you just enjoy it. And I think there's no better example of that than saying, Hey, we're celebrating sports, which was the main event and just enjoying something we love. And I think that's it's cool to share those stories because that's well, what was, it's actually
0: thank you for sharing that with my listeners. I will not use the edit button on that story.
2: end up on the cutting room floor, so I, I thought I would throw that <laughs> out.
0: I, I am not often blown away, but when I was sitting there gushing to you about Dutton, and then you bring in Steve Dutton, <laughs> that, I have to say that was one of the few times uh, in my career I've been speechless. Uh, But it was very apropos because the night before we had a bromance and the next day I had a bromance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that, Scott. I did as well. That's awesome. That's great.
0: Before we head into my favorite part of the podcast, not that this hasn't been fun and Chris, I will get even (laughs) Steve and or Carissa just touch briefly about what you think are the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead for
1: you. So we're coming off of the biggest challenge of my career here would, would be two to, would be a double whammy for 2020, right? Obviously COVID, uh, and the, the issues we've dealt with, and a lack of market, and the sales slump that we've seen from restaurants, which are one of you know for Sonoma County, that's that's a big outlet for Sonoma County wine that has us concerned and has been a concern. And actually, what I'm really concerned for is not only us, but our restaurant partners, right? I mean, the, I, I you yeah. know I hope these guys can survive the winter. Uh, and they're there in 2021. it's It's huge issue. Uh, I feel bad for them and and um, and want them to be there. I mean we, we go to some great restaurants. and Chris and I've we frequent a lot of really, really high nice restaurants and love going out to nice dinners. Uh, and hope those guys are still there next year. The other issue for us has been obviously the you know the 2020 fires that came earlier this year than we've ever had. Um, so we, lo- we lost a lot of crop this year. We, we estimate about a thousand tons of our own fruit that we're not going to pick oh, because boy. it got tainted with smoke, was not going to make the grade was not going to be good enough to put in a bottle of wine. And, you know, and we're, you know, as growers and as winemakers we're very concerned about the quality of wine that comes from Dutton ranch and from Sonoma County. So, so that was, that would be, you know, very, very concerning. So, you know, going forward, uh, would be, you know, to hopefully to see a recovery from COVID and, and an earnest recovery and a the steep V going back up. That would be important to all of us. And then, you know, no fires for the near future here would be a big thing too. So that uh, we need to get a control of that. We need to get some forest management back. That's a big, those are big things. The other thing we see is, is just there, we have real labor issues for farming, right? And, and not just in grapes, but all farming in California, right? There's, you know, with, without, without, Farm labor, nothing ends up in the grocery store on your table, uh, in a bottle of wine, in a glass of milk. You know, it all takes farm labor to do that, and and so that's that is an issue. And so we are working hard to make sure that we have labor uh, at Dutton Ranch for for that. We're we're you know we've been 13 years now doing the H2A program, which is a way to bring guys here legally from Mexico. Yep. Um, and we're going to be we're already signing up for our 14th year to do that next year. We're in the process just completing a new 37 man farm worker dormitory housing building that we're building um, that's, you know, commercial kitchens, uh, three and four man bedrooms, uh, you know, big bathrooms, laundry, laundry at the place. Um, and that'll be for 37 men that we're hope, that we're hoping to bring in next year. 37 new guys we're hoping to bring in next year uh, on H2A. And so that that project for my brother and I is a million dollar project that we're doing. So we are we are very very, you know, see a real need for labor in farming and for farm labor to continue to grow the the quality of grapes that we're doing. So we're gonna we're we're really investing in that.
0: And you've always been committed to that. I have to say, um, I tell people that story whenever I can, about how committed Dutton Ranch really is to their
1: farm labor. Oh, I appreciate that. We, we are. We're very much so. And and, and so, right, we, you and I were talking about it offline before this started, but, you know, we have employees that have worked for us for 51 years, uh, two employees. It started with my family back when my brother was born. He's 51 years old. Started when he was born. And, uh, and so, one of those guys' sons, works on the ranch, he's second generation, first generation, uh, you know, Mexican-American, first generation, second generation to work on a ranch.
2: would just add, well, since I've been invited in, I think to the conversation, I would just add, I think one thing we've learned a lot about is how great our farmers and ranchers are at land management. And that's not just true in Sonoma County, but across California. And when we've been up against obstacles like wildfires, um, flooding, whatever happens, we we hear about this. Um, it's, you know, you hear about vineyards being fire breaks. You hear about vineyards and the way that we control fires in the future is better land management. And it's removing the fuels, you know, from our lands that, you know, move the fires. And our farmers are really at the forefront of doing that. And I think you're seeing across California folks looking to what our farmers and ranchers do, not just in Sonoma County, but across the state as examples and case studies about what we all need to do In the state to sort of be part of the future of successful farming and living in California and I think that's a huge thing and then on the fun side if there's any benefit out of COVID-19 which I mean there's not a lot to say positive about COVID-19 but is that so many people have figured out that they want to grow something in their backyard and I think For our farmers who maybe didn't always have that connection to folks around the world, frankly, because they're growing things and dealing with mother nature and soils. Now there's a lot of folks doing that in their backyard and realizing how important it is to understand the cycle of how to grow food and and wine grapes of being an extension of that. And I think that's a really fun thing for people to really understand sort of that the, the farm to table, the vine to bottle movement and be a part of that firsthand. And I think we'll benefit from that as a wine region, we'll benefit from that as a community. And I think, you know, learning how to be a farmer, everyone being a backyard farmer is a good thing, or it's kind of a little bit back to our roots, you know, and doing virtual things has brought folks together in a way, you know, we talk about sharing a bottle of wine, how much fun that is. And we've gotten to do that a number of times with you, Scott. And we miss doing that in person, but thankfully, Zoom and other things allow us to do that virtually and have this shared experience, and I think that's, at the end of the day, what wine is all about, and we could just share some fun wines with you today. I know that Steve wants to talk about, and uh, and I think that's um, part of, in all of this, part of community, and wine shares a special place in community.
0: Well, Carissa, that's a great segue to my favorite part of the podcast.
1: What's in your glass? Oh, <laughs> So we, uh, so Chris and I are drinking. Um, well,
2: we couldn't. We couldn't. We. This is a tribute to your wife, Scott. Yeah. So Our first wines a tribute to your wife. <laughs> Although there's no wine bra on this end, just for the record, it is fresh from a bottle of wine.
1: <laughs> we're we're drinking the uh, the Kiss 2014 Kistler Dutton Ranch Chardonnay. Uh, Out of a sea cup, I see. Yep, <laughs> yep, yeah. 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 And then we're also drinking the, uh, you know, so so the winery that I own with my partner, Dan Goldfield, we're drinking the Dutton Goldfield, Dutton Ranch, Freestone Hill Pinot Noir from 2014 as well. Right, so two, so, 2014 Ranch. Well, so take basically.
0: us through the first one. Take us through the 14 Kistler Dutton Ranch Chardonnay.
2: And I just want to say before he starts, the 14. So we chose two 14 wines. And I think the moral of the story is, and we've learned this maybe, well, we learned this a number of times over in, in the last few years, but drink your cellar, right? we think... There will be more wine made every vintage. So we went and we pulled a couple back vintages, 2014, both the Chardonnay and Pinot. Not only is it fun to try, you know, a little age on the wines, but also like, you know what, we shouldn't, you shouldn't be waiting for life to happen. We should be living life. And I think that's sort of an ode to pulling a couple of uh, vintage, more vintage corks and uh, enjoying that. And we've had that experience firsthand. And I think that's just a, a good lesson to live by.
1: You have inspired me to do that tonight.
2: All right. Well, we look forward to hearing what's going to be in
1: your glass later. So, right. So, Chris, I wouldn't say this, but right in in the 2017 Tubbs fires, she lost her home. Sunday night to Monday, right, she lost her home. And on the Tuesday before, we drank a 1990 Veuve Couclo Grand Dame uh, champagne. Oh, yeah. No, and I had it in my cellar for years. I never really drank champagne until I met... Carissa, I love bubbles. on you. So so we so I brought it out. It was in the box. It was kind of like the box was a little. You know how how they get a little moldy from the from the cellar. I brought it out, showed it to her. I said, "Do you think this will be any good?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, we got to drink this." So we it was the it was the Tuesday night. It was after harvest. My like the day I finished harvest uh, in 2017, drank the champagne. It was fantastic. Yep. And then right, so we saved the bottle, saved the cork, saved the 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 cage save the box and the next Monday, it all burns up. So could you imagine if we hadn't drank the wine and the whole thing burned up? That would have been, what a shame, right? Right, absolutely. So that that taught us uh, from that moment on, drink the good wine. Don't save it. Drink the good Just wine. Drink it. Drink it. We'll make more. Well, that's what Wednesday,
2: I... Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever.
1: Yeah, drink it. i mean, right.
2: happy to keep making more wines. Know,
0: absolutely. But, chance. Did my children call you before this podcast? No. <laughs>
2: They're <laughs> telling you to open the good wine tonight. Share it with
0: them, Scott. We need, we need your children to drink good
1: wine because they got to be our future oh, customers.
0: Trust me, they do. Carissa, they drink good wine every night. Don't worry about them.
1: Good. I like it. I love, we love it. Absolutely. And we love it. they got to drink the good wine. So the Kistler Pinot, uh, Chardonnay, sorry, the Kistler Chardonnay, it is a beautiful glass of wine uh, for six years old. Robert Parker at the time scored it a ninety-six. Uh, you know, I, I'm a terrible wine. I, I just know what I like and what I drink, and I drink. You know, I, I like I like good wine. So, but I can't tell you. Chris should probably tell you what it tastes like and how what it. No,
2: what it but I mean, you know, and Scott, you were sharing you because you I think you're a Kistler Chardonnay fan and also drinking. A, Kistler with a few years on it, but it picks up a little weight in the mouth, actually, which I really love. And it gets a little bit more of like a creme brulee, toasted almond sort of feel. And I think it doesn't lose the brightness of the fruit. I think that's the Wente selection here and like through and through, you know, this wine's delivering all of that, you know, peach and honey that you sort of expect from a Kistler Chardonnay of this caliber and, um, but with a lot of mouthfeel and sort of a, a little bit of toasting on it that I think comes with a few years in the
0: bottle. So I'm kind of curious, Carissa, that I had the 2015, as I told you the other night. Yeah. And the first thing that just kind of blew me away, well, two things actually, well, three things actually. The first was this, just this amazing flintiness that this, this minerality that just yep. exploded out of the, the glass. The second thing that kind of struck me was, I've had that wine several times over the years, and was the evolution from green apple to Gala apple.
2: Oh, from, there you go. Right, so we can talk apple. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right, yeah. we can
0: talk yeah. about apples. Yeah. And, yeah, and and so that the early on Kistlers had sort of the, the very, you know, Granny Smith green apple flavor, and now seems to have evolved into peach and a and maybe even a kind of more of a ripe Honeycrisp yeah. apple, which I think yeah. is. It's very cool. And then the third thing that I love about that wine is the judicious use of oak in it. While there is a lot of oak in that wine, because but the fruit can take it. That is a compliment to the winemaker where they're showing a deft hand where they actually understand the fruit that they're getting and know how to apply the oak to it. Because as that wine has gotten older, in my opinion, that oak has mellowed out and you've you've gone from sort of this you know, vanilla y thing into more of a toasty yeah. bread thing.
2: Which is exactly what I'm trying, tasting in the fourteen right yeah. now. Oh really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Even cool. even that soon, it's you are getting that toastiness. And and I I just strong honey just keeps coming through and through to me and especially in the for, in the fourteen right now.
0: Is that because you're sitting so close to your honey?
2: I was gonna say it, it's a love affair of wine and uh, and a person
0: and the grape grower. There you <laughs> exactly. Go. Yes, exactly. I mean,
2: yeah. Who knew I would end up representing grape growers and fall in love with a farmer? I guess my. No, oh, my...
0: I pretty much could have put money on that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the early days, Scott. You were you were there
0: like. I was there. That's right. You're yes. actually, you
2: know. There yes.
0: you go. Maybe in the next podcast, I'll talk about how you two were outed. But
2: <laughs> in the interest of
0: time. That's let's talk about other, 2014
2: small town Sonoma County story. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Let's talk about the 2014 Dutton Goldfield Dutton Ranch Freestone Hill Vineyard Pinot Noir.
1: So this, so this wine uh, is uh, uh, yours. so Dutton Goldfield's a partnership with my with my partner Dan Goldfield. who's a winemaker who's been he grew he uh, was a winemaker at La Crema. Uh, back in the very very early days, when it was owned by the former owner, a guy, uh, guy from New York, who lost it in bankruptcy, and then was the, he was so Dan was the winemaker through bankruptcy, and then was when it was bought by Jackson family by Jess Jackson, he would continue to be the winemaker there and was for many years and grew it up into a several hundred thousand case winery. Yeah. Uh, and while he was there, he then uh, was the he uh, Jess asked him to start a brand called Hartford Court. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. And Dan, Dan was the head winemaker and the first winemaker at Hartford court for many, many years. Uh, and that's where I got to know Dan. And uh, in 1998, we uh, started talking about uh, starting Dutton Goldfield and that vintage we started, we made 300 cases of uh, Chardonnay and 300 cases of Pinot Noir.
2: Wait, he's being too modest. So I think the way you've told me the story is that Dan said, I really like your grapes and you said, I really like your wine. And then there was a moment in the vineyard where I was like, Hey, we should actually do something together and thus became Dutton Goldfield winery. That's
1: pretty much exactly how it started.
2: I mean, you should have both of them on at some point because they are really two opposites. Could not be more, make a more interesting wine, but they both live up to their farming and their winemaking sort of style.
1: He's he's a high-maintenance winemaker, and I'm a down-to-earth farmer.
0: I'm not sure there's any other kind. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Wait, that story's been told over and over again, huh? So...
1: (laughs) Well, definitely down to Earth Farmer. So, so this vineyard, uh, the Freestone Hill Vineyard, was a vineyard that my father, uh, it was a piece of land he found in 1997. Out in, so it's to be in the southwest corner of the Russian River Valley, uh, Appalachian, all the way down by the little town of Freestone. Okay. It's a very cool area up on a south-facing hillside. Uh, and this vineyard we planted in 97, 98, 99. Uh, and then we started growing grapes there, Pinot Noir, and Dutton Goldfield bought grapes from the from when, from when it first started. So, um, so this the 2014 is you know classic Freestone Hill out there. It's you know really really cool. It's a cool area. A lot of fog influence, low tonnage. Uh, this is a really I mean this was this is a high end vineyard before we really realized what high end vineyard was going to be. So,
0: Chris, I'm gonna throw it over to you to describe the wine. Oh, thank you. Yes.
2: Well, I was just gonna say what's interesting about this Pinot is in right off the bat, a lot of um, pepper, pepper in the nose, both in the nose and in, in the mouth. And so combined, I mean, you get your t- you still have your typical Pinot, the cherry notes. It's a little more baked cherry, I think, but strong, strong peppery, which I think is a little bit of that sort of the coastal more cool influence that you're that you're getting from that versus you know it's not a cherry it doesn't have the cherry cola that some of our pinot noirs have but more of a cherry pepper um which i i think is really really nice and it it actually has a pretty um substantial mouthfeel for something that's a you know i think that's a little bit of the age on it for for something that's a little bit more cooler climate
0: so i'm watching you obviously we're on zoom so i can see the wine it's it's got a gorgeous color it looks almost like a steak wine i you know i mean that's
2: it could the mouthfeel could hold up and i think i don't know if that's the 14 vintage or this or the site i mean i don't know if it's because it has a little age on it steve might be better at that but i'm i love i mean i'm i'm not a super i'm not a fruit forward lover i mean i think there's folks that really love i mean i think there's a whole class of that but i like a little bit of complexity and i'm with this specific vineyard out on Freestone, I, again, I think you're getting that nice combination where you're getting the the cherry that you get in a Pinot Noir, but it's broken up with that little bit of, of spice component that's kind of, I think would pair well with food. Uh, it's fine on its own, but it would be a great
1: food line.
0: What would you pair it with if you had your druthers?
1: So, wow. so scott because i'm a wine grower That's i awesome. want you to pair it with everything ice cream candy <laughs> cake whatever just drink it all up drink it up just pair so, it with yeah. everything so I'll be honest, is that okay can i say that yeah you can yeah.
0: say that let's not save those corks let's open it because you know oh, daddy's hey, I daddy's getting more. more grapes yeah. well, we
2: got some like peanut butter cup ice cream in the <laughs> in the freezer we're heading straight towards after this but now i mean you know what So, I mean, folks tend to right you when you think about like a great piece of meat, a ribeye or a filet, right? Cabernet comes to mind and we have some incredible cabernets from Sonoma County. But there are also some of our some of our really good Pinot Noirs hold up really well to like sort of to to great meat. And I think this one, again, with the the, the pepper in it, I think would be great. I think this is a, a really good food line.
0: Well, now I'm salivating.
2: Right, so what's yeah. not to love? Right, yeah. so you're gonna start with a little kiss of Chardonnay, and then you're gonna throw the steaks on the grill, and then you know, come back to the Pinot, and I, yeah, what's okay. not so, to
0: love? So Thank it's a good night. night. The the takeaway that we've learned tonight from our time together is don't be stingy with drinking wine because wine growers have to grow more grapes. Yes.
1: Yes. Thank you for that. Yes, that's exactly right. And hey, every night's a great night. It doesn't have to every. Tuesdays is is just as good as a, as a Friday weekend night, right? You got to drink it whatever night you are on. Amen.
2: And and you know, and honestly, it's gotten to be philosophical right now, but I mean, it's been a heck of a year for most folks. And I think we're all looking for a, a little pleasure, right? What can give you pleasure right now? What's something you can enjoy? And I think we're all with the family we live with which is a part of our pod. I guess that's, I never knew yep. we'd say pod so much. I have a pod. So uh, thankfully, Steve is part of my pod as you got to experience back in 2017. And now three years later, we're, we're here's our pod and we're here and uh, officially a pod. It's fun to experience those things. And I think you should find those little things that bring you pleasure right now. And I think wine's a great way to do that. And you can have a conversation about it or not talk about it at all and just enjoy it some food with it and um it's a great experience and i think that's what makes wine different for me than any other alcohol i love cocktails but cocktail you go drink but wine's like it's an experience it's something you share and i i think that's why we love wine so much
0: i love wine i love the time you've just spent with me i can't tell you how much i appreciate it and i'm gonna go enjoy a wonderful glass of wine this is and why not because family it's it's a it's exactly. I am very fortunate to have my family here with me and decent supply of good wine. So <laughs> there are things to celebrate.
2: Hey, cheers to you. Cheers to all your you. listeners out there.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Scott. We appreciate it too.
0: That'll do it for this episode of the vine guy, a WTOP news podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley and the music you heard is wishful thinking by Dan Lebowitz available in the YouTube audio library don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my Wine of the Week show every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. And please remember, do good, drink well.